Farmer Friday on Ag PhD Radio. Thanks for joining us. We're broadcasting today from the Morton studio and taking your calls and agronomic questions throughout the show at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can also send us an email, radio at agphd.com. Got a bunch of emails to get through today as well. I'm Darren Hefty along with my brother, Brian. All right, Brian, uh, did you want to talk about anything before we get started? Or do you want to start diving right into some of these emails we got? Well, I guess I would just say this. A lot of farmers over the last few months have been really concerned about supplies on fertilizer and ag chem especially. I, at this point, believe there's way more than enough ag chem out there to get us by through the season. I feel really good. Now, it might not be your first or even your second choice, but there's going to be enough stuff out there to kill the weeds, the bugs, and the insects. But yeah, some companies like DSF, for example, they're they're having real problems, and so you're you're going to have to switch if you have some product that you go your retailer says, yeah, I'm not going to be able to get that for a while. Quite frankly, if it's me, I'm locking in something else because I think prices are going to keep going up here for a little while through the spring. So for anybody listening today, I just encourage you. Talk to your retailer, get something locked up, even if it's not your first choice or not what you've used in the past, just get something taken care of. And also take a look at alternatives, because like Liberty and Roundup, they're going to be widely available. Anybody can get whatever they want by spring. It's just most people are backing away from them because the price is so ridiculously high. So like full rate of Liberty right now is 25 bucks an acre, 25 bucks, and it's probably going to be 30 by spring. So do you really want to spend that much? I don't on my farm. So we're switching out of some of these things we normally would use just because the price is too high. So I just encourage you to take a look at all that stuff as you go. I, I, I think there will be more things coming available come spring, and you can always switch back if something is available and the price is less. But I'm not looking for prices to go down. I'm looking for them to go up. And I do think there's going to be a lot of product available by spring. On the fertilizer end of things, a lot of people are looking at banding because the fertilizer prices are so high, and I get that. I would I would consider that, too. We were lucky on our farm because we had a lot of carryover fertilizer, number one. And, two, when we take a look at what we're able to do with our planter, we can get ourselves by for a while and, to some degree, cut back. You just have to be smart on what you cut because if you cut things that are making you money, well, that's not going to get you ahead in the long run. So just be a little bit careful about what you're going to cut on the fertilizer end. And I'd try locking up ag chem sooner rather than later before prices go up even more. All right. Great stuff. We certainly are seeing farmers do that. That's been the trend as, as we've talked to folks around the country. It sounds like everybody's getting a jump on things just to avoid getting caught in a pinch. Uh, but we're getting a lot of questions here, Brian. We'll dive into the Ag PhD mailbag here in uh, just one minute. It's the mailbag! All right. Uh, we were talking about drainage tile often lately. We get a lot of questions about that. And Scott says... Uh, it just seems like we got to keep putting more in, more drain tile uh, in fields that are already drained. won't necessarily solve all the issues. It, it might just move it to somebody else's problem. Why don't we just keep more ground in CRP and restore the wetlands and square off the wet spots and only farm the good stuff? What What's the solution besides that? 
Yeah, that's absolutely not true. You're not pushing the problem onto somebody else. Because here's what I want you to think about. If you put drain tile in, how do you pay for the tile? How do you pay for the tile? It's only with yield increase, right? So if you're going to have yield increase, 300 bushel corn for sure takes a lot more moisture out of the soil than 150 or 200 bushel corn. That's a fact. And everybody knows that. So the point is, sure, in the very short term, there might be a little bit more water going downstream, but long term, there's absolutely less water going downstream. It's just the way it is. So this thing about needing to put more in all the time, I don't, I don't agree with that. I don't think you do. It's just it, we end up with different, let's say, goals. And, and let's put it this way. So like when we put tile in on our farm, we, we plan for the average year or maybe a slightly above normal year for precip. Well, normally we get 22 inches of total annual precip. So we plan for, maybe, let's call it 25, 26. Well, in 2018 and 2019, we got 40. We got 40. So then all of a sudden you're thinking, well, maybe let's put a little bit more in for that. I'm not going to call it 100-year event, but certainly a 40- or 50-year event. So if you want to do that, you can, but you don't need to do that. Uh, you just maybe have to suffer a little bit for a, a year or something like that. No huge deal. But anyway, yeah, as far as pushing the problems along, no way. And CRP, that costs money too. That costs the federal government in the United States a whole bunch of money. Well, I mean, as I see it, the federal government's already way behind. They, still, they can't pay their bills. They're, we're in deficit every single year, and we have been for decades now. That's ridiculous. I mean, it's just like you or me. If we're making $50,000 and we're spending sixty or seventy or $80,000, that's basically the ratio that our government's spending. It's like, what? You can't do that. That's not sustainable. So we have to figure out how we can get by without government help. And I'm just trying, I'm not saying there's anything necessarily wrong with letting ground lay idle if you want to do that. But to ask the government to pay for it, that to me is a lot. I mean, why, why does the government need to pay for that? So I'm just saying here, I would sure take a right, re-look at this tile thing and rethink about it because we're not pushing problems onto anybody else. What we're doing is making the ground better, making the soil healthier. It's absolutely fantastic for the environment. And I encourage you sometime to read Environmental Benefits of Tile Drainage. That is a fantastic article, summary of 86 different studies that mostly universities have done. Great stuff. All right. Thanks for the for the comment. We do appreciate that, Scott. It, it definitely generates some discussion. And uh, JAS uh, asked the question, hey, your fertilizer removal by crop in the expected yield, must we enter a figure per acre or per hectare? Sure. Yep. Uh, whatever you're going to enter there, say it's 200 bushel corn, it'll tell you how much fertilizer to utilize for 200 bushel corn per acre. And thanks, JAS. We, we appreciate that comment. And question, it's Farmer Friday on today's Ag PhD radio show. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. It came in waves, ruthlessly eliminating the toughest, hard-to-kill grassy weeds in wheat. Everest 3.0 herbicide, a new formulation, delivers superior flush-after-flush control of wild oats and green foxtail. And Everest 3.0 is registered for use on yellow foxtail, barnyard grass, Japanese brome, and key broadleaf weeds that can invade your wheat and rob your yields. Ask your retailer about Everest 3.0. Always read and follow label directions. 
Did you know soybean diseases like white mold and sudden death syndrome can survive in your soil even after rotating crops? Prevention of these diseases is a constant battle and yield loss from an infection can be devastating. The right management plan makes all the difference. Keep your beans safe with Heads Up Seed Treatment. Heads Up guards your seed from both white mold and SDS. Stay protected and profitable by asking your seed dealer for Heads Up. Learn more at headsupst.com. As a little girl, I always wanted to run the combine because it meant I was helping dad. And dad always said, farmers are helpers. I'm teaching that to my daughters, that farmers help our family, our neighbors, and our community. It's what I do at work. I help farmers get the equipment they need. My name is Kim. I'm a farmer, and I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. What's new from New Farm? Longbow EC Herbicide, the latest in our portfolio of versatile weed management tools, gives you another Carfentrazone option, taking aim at more than 60 broadleaf weed species. And did we mention economical? Longbow EC's low use rate makes it a flexible tank mix partner with most burned down non-selective herbicides. Ask your dealer for Longbow EC, available for fall. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and our phone lines are open at 844-44-AG-PHD here in the Morton studio. We would love to hear from you today if you have an agronomic question or if you just want to talk about what's going on in the farm or what's coming up for this next growing season. You can also email us, radio at agphd.com. One thing I won't help you with, though, is your tax questions. I don't, I'm not a tax accountant. I don't know what all the rules are for that, but uh, I do know we talk about it from time to time about how we're doing things on our farm. And oh, I'm so glad sometimes when the new year comes and we can, all right, we got all that tax stuff and all that pre-planning we can put behind us. We can get back to talking about agronomics. Let's head out to the state of New York. We got our friend Ralph on with us right now. Ralph, how's it going? Now, wait a second. I hear you're not in New York exactly, but from New York. <laughs> but are you somewhere that's, warmer that's right, right now? I am. I'm in Naples, Florida. Oh, it's no, not it's fair, like Ralph. 80, it's not fair. Five degrees. <laughs> that's life there in the life of a farmer. Sometimes <laughs> you just have to get away and you, enjoy things. You so do. I'm really at meetings down here, but I, I, I get a chance to enjoy myself too. So Yeah, I've got a yep, coworker so. that's not too far away from me right now. And, yes, he's been sharing the weather report as we've been freezing up here in the north. <laughs> That's called, that's that's called torture, isn't it? I, I think so. I think Somebody so. Somebody tells you the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Yep. All right. So, uh, how did you turn out at the end of the year? Did you get everything that you need uh, early bought and and in, on hand, or are you kind of struggling with some of these supply things too? We're struggling, Darren. We did not get anything. We uh, only thing we were able to get was some stuff locked up, some fertilizers. But as far as chemicals, we have no idea what we're going to be doing. We we work with a company, and they're telling us that. Just be prepared for whatever recommendations they make in the spring, whatever they seem to have. They're going to help us out and get the right products on the field to, to control weeds. And other than that, we don't know what the names are going to be or the rates or anything. But we're, uh, we've got a really good company, and we're hoping they know what they're doing, and we think they do. They've never let us down the past, but it's a different world we're all living in right now. 
I, I think there's going to be plenty of stuff available to kill the weeds, but you're right on the money, Ralph, and the company you're working with is right on the money. It might not necessarily be the same exact product you used last year, but but they'll figure something out. There are lots of choices, so I'm glad you got some comfort in that, knowing, okay, they, they got it. We're, we're going to be just fine here. How, how about on the seed side? Yeah. Did, did you guys switch anything up there, or did you have any issues at all when it came to seed supply? No, we've been good that way, Darren. And we're going to grow Kyalek uh, beans for the first year. We've got a, a, a processor that's close by another farmer that's going to be processing beans for dairy feed. Awesome. So we were able to do that. And, and that's one of the things with the, the chemicals. We weren't really too worried because we knew we were going to have to change anyhow for that for the uh, plenish beans. So we're, we're all good. But we've got all our seed lined up. We even have, I think, the corn seeds all been delivered to us already. So... We're in good shape that way. Yeah, yeah. If you can just get a crop put in, we can figure the rest out later. And you mentioned the fertilizer, too. Uh, I don't imagine that you were way ahead of the game and got everything booked early when the prices were cheap. But uh, what did you think about that with the fertilizer price? Did you have to make big changes, or did you just eat it? We pretty well ate it. We do a lot of um, strip tilling in the fall after soybeans, so we're ready for the corn. We got wet, so we didn't get done all we did, but we had the – most of those fertilizers were in the commodity shed, so we did real well that way. It's going to be the ends and the start of fertilizer for next spring. They'll be very expensive, but it, it's just life, Darren. We, yeah. uh, it's, it's something we just have to deal with, and for people to say they're not going to grow this, not going to grow that, I, I think farmers will still grow what they've been growing. They'll just have to pay a little more for it, and hopefully somebody at Chicago will feel sorry for us and keep the prices high. So. Yeah, I, I think so too. I, I was just I was on another radio show this morning and and uh, they were talking about the same kind of thing that man everybody they're talking to they're complaining about the prices of fertilizer but when they ask them uh, are they cutting back most guys are like cutting back no way we got a chance to actually make some money this year so I think we all just yeah. need to vent yep. a little bit about some of those things. That's that's right. But I, I do have a question for you. Dan. Sure, go We've ahead. Been growing corn up here for a long time. And we're running into vomitoxin problems. We've had vomitoxin for four out of the last five years, and our numbers seem to be climbing. And, you know, we've had neighbors say, well, you, we've been no-tilling since 86. We've had guys say, well, you need to plow the ground. So we had a neighbor that he grows 5,000 acres of corn. He plowed every acre of it last fall, and his vomitoxin numbers were just as high as us when we were no-tilling. And then somebody else said, well, you need to use fungicides. So he sprayed fungicides on all of it, and, like I said, he had just high numbers. We we don't have the answer, and we are going to cut back on our corn acres just because our numbers, you know, we went from threes last year. We were fives, and our markets just won't accept that. So we're sort of literally growing a crop that gets in the bin that we can't sell. So I, I didn't know whether you had any ideas on vomitoxin, if there is any answers out there. You know, that's a very interesting topic, and I know we have discussed that on the show before, and uh, yeah, we that's usually where we start, is well, what practices have you tried? Have you been doing some things? Have you had, uh, but if you've had it four out of the last five years, I have a hard time believing you've had hail or some of those things that, that open up yeah, the... None of, none of them. None of them. Yeah. Our corn, Darren, it, we, we raised the best looking corn ever last year. No molds, no nothing. But our VOM numbers are six plus, and the feed mill we sell to for hog feed can't take anything over a four. So we've got to find a whole new home. And in New York, we lost an ethanol plant. So, you know, there's just a boatload of corn in New York the last couple of years. And when you have a problem with yours, it puts you really behind the eight ball. Yeah. Yeah, it sure does. Well, tell you what, Ralph, uh, let me do a little homework on that one and get back to you. And maybe we'll even do a whole show on vomitoxin if if nothing else. I, just I would really, I, 
I'd love that if you could do that. I'd be, like to be a part of it. So. All right. Well, maybe maybe if I can get this together quick enough, Ralph, I can just bring you that information down to Florida, and then we can both enjoy the warm <laughs> weather. That'd be okay. <laughs> I, I'd be open to that one too if you want to do it. There you go. We're it's starting good. to sound like a business expense for me. Maybe I am into this there, tax plan. There planning. you go. Hey, <laughs> that's exactly right. So. You bet. Well, Ralph, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Enjoy your time down in Florida. All right. You stay warm up there in North Dakota. Okay? <laughs> All, right. We'll All right. I'll stay inside. That's for sure. Uh, well, I know it's not much warmer down in Iowa, maybe a few degrees. Let's head down there and talk to Pat. Pat, how are you doing today? Hey, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. You hear some, you're another farmer down in Florida and you got to be happy for them that they're warm, but uh, this has been, been something else. So we moved into the heated shop. Is that kind of your strategy too, to get through these cold days? Well, if I had a heated shop, I would. I guess I'm doing paperwork today in the house, so take that option. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the paperwork, but on a day like uh, like we've had here this week, it's it's a pretty good option. <laughs> so what what are you seeing, Pat? I know Ralph was talking about uh, certainly input costs were up, and he said he was even having a hard time finding some on, on the crop protection side. Are you you've been able to lock most of your stuff in for next year? Uh, as far as the chemicals I bought last August, pretty much, and the only thing that was up was Roundup was kind of tripled the cost last August. So setting good there. I don't have the product on hand because I don't have a heated storage, but sure. uh, I'm told that this, my my name is on actual product in a warehouse, so I guess I, I have to believe them. Yeah, yeah, perfect. Yep, did you do much for fall fertility work? <laughs> I sat this one out. I just... I'm not. I've been no-tilling since '93, and I've got my fertility levels pretty high, kind of nearing the end of my career. And I'm thinking, any fertilizer at this price that I put on this year is going to be used by somebody else ten or fifteen years down the road. I'm just going to sit around this year. You know, we we kind of did that too to some degree. We we cut way back on what we did in the fall, and we're we're just going to ride it out on some of this ground that we've got built up to to some level anyway. But I know we're going to have to buy a little bit of stuff in the spring. Uh, are you changing rotation, or are you sticking with it? I, a lot of guys I'm talking to are staying with the rotation. No, I've been corn soybeans pretty much every year for almost twenty years. That I work in town, I, I kind of work by myself, so it's just. Uh, Easier for me doing corn on beans, beans on corn. So stick with what I've been doing. Yep, yep. Spread the workload. And I know, you know, talking to a lot of non-farmers, they're like, oh, man, this corn price looks great. And I'm like, yeah, where are we going to put it all? <laughs> we, we only have so many bins. And we've kind of got acres figured out that, that uh, we've got bin space or we've got someone that can take it. So, yeah, if we, we had too much corn, we wouldn't know what to do with it. But uh I don't know some problems aren't aren't a big deal, but like you say, if you if you have that rotation and it works good for what you're doing on the farm, it's it's pretty tough to change that sometimes as well. Well, Pat, uh, enjoy the paperwork today as much as you can. Pretty soon you're going to have to go back out in this cold. But thank you so much for talking to us today. Really appreciate it. Okay. Have a good day. You bet. You too. It's Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and yeah, it's cold in the north, but you know what? We are excited about what's coming up for 2022. Lots to talk about. If you've got an agronomic question, we'd love to help. 844-44-AG-PHD. We'll be right back.
Revitech fungicide from BASF has been specifically developed for the selective soybean grower who doesn't compromise. If you think good is good enough, if you're okay with just achieving rather than overachieving, if average is your goal, this is not the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide, brand new chemistry, three no excuse modes of action, zero modes of compromise. Sounds like the fungicide for you. Revitech fungicide from BASF, that's smart. Always read and follow label directions. This message is for all the corn and soybean growers out there who aren't made of money. If you're using a fungicide other than Zolera FX from UPL, you should know that no corn and soybean fungicide gives you a better return on investment, period. Zolera FX has two high-performance actives delivered at full rates for maximum performance and ROI in corn and soybeans. To see the data, go to ZoleraFX.com and always read and follow label directions. This is a wake-up call for you and your field's microbiome from Source by Sound Agriculture. Source is a revolutionary foliar-applied biochemistry that doesn't rely on bulky nutrients or finicky biologicals to wake up your soil and unlock more nutrients per acre, all with a low use rate. It's like caffeine for microbes. Source works with the soil you've already got and the equipment you already use. So if you're a grower, go to sound.ag and learn more. And if you're a microbe, time to rise and shine. What can you do to build a better wheat crop? Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Tuesday, January 11th, we're holding a free Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop at the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. We'll be discussing how you can make your wheat crop more profitable by going in-depth on topics such as crop protection programs, seed treatment options, fertility requirements, and ways you can make your crop more resistant to stresses like drought and disease. We'll be covering this and much more, so don't miss the Ag PhD Wheat Agronomy Workshop. Sign up today at agphd.com. Go long for season-long foliar disease protection that starts at plant. Only Zyway brand fungicides from FMC provide season-long inside-out foliar disease protection. A single at-plant application provides comparable performance in corn yield protection to that of VT to R1 foliar fungicides against diseases like gray leaf spot, northern corn leaf blight, and more. Visit your FMC retailer or zyway.ag.fmc.com to learn more. Always read and follow all label directions. What do you think of when you hear Palmer Amaranth or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. Farmer Friday and Ag PhD Radio, and we're taking your calls and agronomic questions here in the Morton studio at 844-44-AG-PHD. Let's head down to Kansas. we got Kenny on with us right now. Kenny, how's it going? Oh, pretty good. How you doing? Not too bad. Have you got all your plans set in stone for 2022, or you still got some acres that are up in the air? Um, No, I, I think we got pretty much everything figured out what we're going to do what's the milo market looking like is that something where guys are going to increase acres or are we kind of set there um i don't know we kind of we kind of jumped off the milo bandwagon um i'm thinking about planting a few acres of it but all my help kind of growls at me when i start talking (laughs) milo so 
Yeah, it's it's fun. Um, I, I just had some of those discussions today about some different things that we like to do, and how some things are a little more fun than others. So, uh, talk to us about this growing season. Then, how did you guys turn out? Uh, beans were uh, pretty well on the low end as far as yields. This didn't get quite enough rain as we ne- when we needed it. We had too much to begin with in the early in the season, and then uh, late summer water just kind of shut off on us. So we just kind of uh, little little low average. On yeah, our it's kind of kind of the opposite yeah, weather uh, that a person needs to grow good beans. You can handle dry early, but yeah, man, we sure need the rain yeah, late. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. We personally we lost about five hundred acres of corn because of the rain just. It it was small when it started raining and it just drowned it out. We never got in, couldn't get back in the field, so that ground all went to uh, to soybeans also. So, yep. How about the wheat Luckily, crop this year? Harvestider. Did um, yeah. There's uh, quite a little bit of wheat planted down here. Most of it looks pretty good. I got I got mine in late because I was in, all my beans were in pretty late, so it was kind of harvest drug out late for us, but. We got, I don't know, 500 acres or so wheat. Yeah, it sounds like the stands, from what we've seen and heard, have been pretty good. And and we had a little bit warmer fall later into the year than guys expected, and that yeah. seemed to seemed to really turn out good. Yeah, yeah. There, there was a lot of December wheat planted here, so and it's if it ain't up, it's just right there. I mean, you can't actually see it unless you get out in the field and look at it, but it's there, so it'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's kind of I don't know. Some of these things are are neat, like you mentioned, uh, too dry at this time of year, too wet at that time of year, and uh, when you diversify like you're doing, planting crops at different times of the year, then yeah, even though the beans weren't great, uh, the following crop can be can be amazing. How about with the fertility? Did that work out good with winter wheat? Were you able to get some of that taken care of before the big price jumps, or or was it already crazy by that point? I uh, it was already nuts by that point for me. Um, we're, we're doing something a little different this year. We, we did half, uh, we're, we're doing half dry P and K and then, uh, we're going to do, uh, agro liquid P and K on the other half. Yeah. Interesting. So, yeah, it was only about $10 an acre difference. And, you know, I felt like the, the benefits of the micros and stuff in the agro liquid was probably more than make up for that $10. So, yeah, you know, the interesting thing with the micros that that we've been, of course, we talk about soil tests all the time and we're trying to, to get to certain levels on the uh-huh. soil test, but, but the micros, we've seen better stress tolerance. It seems when we, we have those hot, dry years, like we had last year, our fields with better micronutrients did better. And I don't know if that's yeah. always the case, but it sure has been for us. Yeah. I, that's kind of funny our best bean field was a, a field that we, it had come out of, uh, a failed alfalfa crop and uh the guy that that owned the ground that he'd had the alfalfa and he, he wasn't sure he's was kind of on the fence whether he was going to take it out of alfalfa or try to try to get one more year out of it and by the time he time he made up his mind with the wet year and everything it was it was it was kind of a nightmare it was growed up in i mean it was three foot tall jungle so we basically just only choice we had as late as it was just go in there and try to burn it down real hard and then we no-tilled into the mess, and that was actually our best beans. They they made forty, which sure. 
for this year was outstanding. But. Yeah, yeah, and with the price this year too, that that still worked. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think I think overall we averaged around twenty five overall. But. Yeah, it's like you said before. It's pretty tough if you're if you're not going to catch those late season rains on beans. Uh, the top end comes off pretty quick, no doubt about that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, Kenny, thanks yeah. for talking to us today. We really appreciate it, and good yep. luck to you You're heading into the spring. Yep. yep, thank you. You too. Let's head out to Ohio. Get Lamar on with us right now. Hi, Lamar. How are you today? Good. How are you doing? You know, we're doing pretty well. We. We've got, as I found out from Pat earlier uh, that was on the show, we've got a heated shop. So, you know what? It, it's, it's cold outside, but at least we can go in and, and warm up and do some stuff. How about you? That's true here. That's true here. And we, uh, we're we milking cows here still, too. Uh, so that barn's still pretty warm. Hey, I'm glad you brought yep, that up. It's chilly out. Uh, okay, so so I was talking with our neighbor. We got a neighboring dairy that's just a half mile away from our farm too, and we were, I was talking about that. We get these extremely cold days, and he goes, "You know, it's generally around fifty in the barn." Uh, what do you see when it gets cold, and, and is there just enough heat from all those animals? Oh yeah, you every cow its own uh, own furnace, you know, and they can really put the heat off. If you uh, got the barn shut up tight, it can get hot quick. It doesn't matter how cold it is. Yeah, I noticed he still had some vent, venting open too, and I thought, man, we got to be oh, too yeah, cold for that. Yeah. But uh, no, I think no. I think you're right on the money with that. Well, that's a job that keeps <laughs> yeah. you busy. So, are you a, a two time a day milk it yourself, just you and your family, or you got a big dairy? No, no, we're we're small, but we have we got one full time herdsman that uh, helps with the milking. But we're twice a day, and uh, uh, son's here with me, and. Uh, uh, between all of us, we'll get it taken care of. All right. So growing the feed stock, and this is something we get a lot of questions from, from non-farmers just about where their food's coming from. What do you feed these animals? I'm assuming you got some corn silage there using a lot of alfalfa. What's the ration look like? Uh, we're mostly corn silage now. We were split half and half haylage corn silage two years ago. Uh, Kind of made a decision to go with all corn silage. We feed them uh, six, seven pounds of dry hay and then, of course, grain grain mix, you know, but uh, basically all corn silage. I uh, got a processor, and then I try to cut it a little bit longer, and so far it's been working, but only been a couple of years in. Sure. And and where does your milk go? Is it going for cheese? Is it going for milk? What What's the primary use? Uh, majority is going for cheese, but sometimes it'll go, uh, go for bottling. We've got a bottling plant close. We're DFA and, uh, they bought a Dean's plant here just over the line in Pennsylvania. And sometimes it goes there, but most of the time it goes, goes with a cheese plant. All right. And then another question, uh, what breed of cattle are you working with and have you changed over the years? You've been the same all the way through. Uh, majority Holsteins. Uh, my grandpa started in them in 1917 and, uh, I added some Swiss oh, about 30 years ago. We got a few of them, but, uh, Jordy's Holsteins. Yeah. I'm always curious. Everybody's got their, their preferences and, and reasons for, for doing different things. So it's just, yeah, yeah. It's just fun to our neighbors got jerseys and okay yeah. so that's that's a little different uh different size animal and uh, a lot of different characters that they're going for cheese so they they like the milk fat there so yeah just right. always fun having and those it used conversations. to be uh 
seems like there's a little bit more variation than what it used to be. It used to be you were one breed and that was it. But uh seems like there's more uh, people got a little bit of this or a little bit of that, you know, in there. And uh, But, uh, no, nope, that's what we are. Yeah, yeah. Well, good talking to you, Lamar. Yeah, it's, I'm also glad to hear you have a warm place to work. That's one of the benefits of having a dairy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yep, you're right. But you still got to be outside. Well, the wind is whipping here, but nothing compared to probably you guys. Uh, I think you're getting what right. we had a day or two ago here because it was it was okay. pretty harsh. Yeah, yeah, it's froze up pretty good here. Wind is blowing, and uh, trying to do a little tile project and decide to put it off to Lamar. It's supposed to warm up a little bit sun come out so i don't know yeah any any good day that we get now in january you definitely got to take advantage of well lamar thank you so much really good talking to you and good luck here heading towards the spring it's ag phd radio on farmer friday and we'll be right back it's smart to make the right agronomic choices and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them with the bayer plus rewards program you earn cash back on seed herbicides and other eligible products and it keeps getting smarter because now you can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. Introducing Kyber Soybean Herbicide from Corteva AgriScience, the newest premium Group 15 pre-emergent solution. Kyber delivers three effective modes of action for long-lasting residual activity, meaning your fields won't just be clean, they'll be Kyber clean. And what is Kyber clean? Well, it's a little like... Nice fields! See the difference at kyberherbicide.com soy. That's K-Y-B-E-R herbicide.com soy. Morton Buildings knows that great buildings need great people and we want you to be the newest member of our team. Morton is expanding its construction crew, and we're seeking new and experienced candidates to fill our crew member positions. Morton provides great pay and training, so be a part of the next generation to build Morton. Don't let the opportunity to join the best construction crew in the business pass you by. Learn more on our careers page at mortonbuildings.com. Fill once, plant all day. The 3D application system from FMC is a revolutionary in-furrow crop protection platform that plants up to 480 acres between refills. The Thrive 3D application system mounts to most major planter brands and can be yours at no cost with the FMC Freedom Pass program. To learn more, call 815-362-7747 today. Always read and follow all label directions. Farming is probably the most natural thing for a person to do. It taught me how to take pride in my work, how to put something ahead of myself, whether it was getting up early to feed the livestock or working late to bring in the harvest. Farming taught me to give it my best, no matter the job. My name is Tanner. I'm a farmer. I work for Case IH. Case IH, built by farmers. Boost your productivity and profitability with Soil Warrior from Environmental Tillage Systems. Improve fertilizer efficiency and your yield potential in just one strip-till pass. Now that's ROI. Contact us today at SoilWarrior.com. 
Conditioning low moisture beans to 13% can add semi loads to your bottom line. And with our 13 for 13 year end special, make 13% beans possible with 13% off an end zone bin system. Use promo code 13 for 13 at farmshopmfg.com. Friday. It's Farmer Friday here on Ag PhD Radio. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, I'm Darren Hefty. We're taking your calls and agronomic questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. You can always email us as well, radio at agphd.com. Let's head up to Ontario, Canada. we got Rob on with us right now. Rob, how are you doing today? Good. How are you today, sir? Not too bad. Not too bad. How'd you turn out this fall? Did you get everything out of the field okay? Yeah, everybody's pretty well done now. If you guys just finished up a week ago, I think, when it froze up a bit. And, um, what would you say? The fall started out, looked like it was going to be early, and then it ended up being late. How about you guys? The same scenario? Well, we we got everything out. We were we were just super, super dry. And even though we did get some oh, rain, okay. we, we hardly missed any time out there because it's so dry down in the soil. We, we could really use some, some good rains here come, come spring. Oh, okay. I just saw on your screener there, we just had a foot of snow between yesterday and today, another eight or ten inches tonight, so we're getting a bit of a dose here now, winter. But Yeah, yeah, you know, no kidding. It's, we started out in September, it looked like the bean harvest was going to be done in you know, super good time, then it started raining and raining, and it was catchy, right, and like the middle of November, most guys finally finished, and then the, and then the corn here just a couple of weeks ago. It uh, froze up a bit and no snow, and they're able to get it finished up. But no, it's been it was a bit of a challenge, that's for sure. And here in Ontario, anyhow. But no, she's all off now, pretty much. <clears throat> yep, thank goodness. Yeah, without much snow, it's uh, it's it's pretty problematic if it's not. Hey, question for you: Heading into this next spring, now as far as crop inputs, and we all know where the prices are headed on some of these things. But how about supplies? What are you seeing up in your area in Ontario? Are you seeing uh, seed in good supply? Crop protection products easy to get, or are things kind of tough? Um, I think seeds in good supply. At least most of the company we have it all bought already. Uh, I think crop protection. I think sourcing it sooner than later might be the key word. I know um, we're bringing in some Roundup right now, getting ready to go, and we put all our crop plans into our supplier already, so they kind of know what we need. So hopefully they have everything in stock when it comes time to get it. And um, no, I think it's going to be tight, the same as what you guys are maybe experiencing the same thing. And then of course it's tripled in price. Some of this stuff, right? Yeah, it's it's kind of well. Hey, I don't know if we can even get you any, but if we do, <laughs> here's the price. Oh man, I don't know yeah, if I necessarily like want it. That's any well, like Roundup alone is was it seven bucks a liter here last summer, six or seven. I think we, my son said it was fifteen the other day. He was pricing some around. So, so no, it's uh, that's double anyhow. I wouldn't say that's triple, but some of the fertilizer, of course, are tripled. I think seed pretty much stayed the same price as far as seed corn was concerned. I'm not beans, probably not much different either. I don't know. How about but, how about on contracts and opportunities like with dry beans and some of these other crops? Is it going to influence your acres, or are you kind of set in your rotation? Um, well, dry beans are sitting at fifty bucks, right? That for fifteen hundred for fifteen bags, fifteen hundred pounds right now in Ontario here. So that's you know compared to soybeans at what where. We're at fifteen sixty today in our money. I don't know what you guys are. So that's maybe compatible. I mean, if you're going to plant wet or wheat, the dry beans here get you two weeks earlier in the fall. 
and that's for some advantages with them. And you get a good crop of them, they can do pretty good at 50 bucks too, right? Yes. So we grow a lot of IP beans, identity reserve. So the $4 premium on top of the fifteen fifty, so that puts you at $20. That makes soybeans fairly, a lot more competitive to white beans and a lot less hassle to harvest and grow maybe. Sure. So the soybeans are every bit as competitive as the white beans now with that kind of money, maybe better, but we'll do some of each just because we're stubborn. Crazy one of the two. But anyhow, and, uh, but we had a real good crop of soybeans here this year, and our corn was probably record, somewhat record breaking for most areas, anyhow. <laughs> really strong crop of corn, like probably 190 to 240 in our area here where we live for the most part. Wow. So we had a real good crop, and then our biggest nemesis, we had a bad hailstorm go through in um, end of September, tornado and hail, and it um, it took a pretty wide swath of soybeans and took them from excellent crop to maybe 20 bushels in some cases, <laughs> just knocked them out of hell. So oh. yeah, it was just bad timing too, right, September 20th, that they're just ripe, we're getting ripe, and they're just a shell, they were easy to knock out of the pods and smash up, so. Yep. Yeah, you know, some guys get hurt bad that way, but you know it's not tons of acres. But if you're in that path that it follows, it hurts pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, we had some hail across beans. It was a little bit earlier than that, but they already had pods on and everything, and it it right. knocked uh, it knocked at least half the yield off. And I was yeah. teasing my brother a little bit because our three fields that got hit the worst, two of the three right. were his, and another one was a rented oh, okay. piece of ground. And I I don't know what he did wrong. <laughs> he did something, oh. but but he paid the price. <laughs> We had um, 200 acres of white beans, like dry beans, just right, ready to combine, and they got hit bad, and they went from zero to zero overnight, or in a matter of 20 minutes, likely. They weren't worth, we didn't, well, we ran the combine over one field, but it wasn't worth, we just wasted fuel. It was three bags instead of 23 or five, maybe. Just The ground was white, you'd think it snowed. Even the crop insurance guy said, don't even bother with them, Rob, just leave them. So we did one field just for aggravation, but see what we could get. But he was right and we were wrong. But anyhow, that happens, and they phone crop insurance, and the old farmer added, you know, next year will be better, right? So. Yeah, you sure hope so. It doesn't seem like that hits multiple years in a row, but you never know. There's no, no guarantees. No, that's true. So otherwise, for the most part here in Ontario, the crops are really good. Um, the harvest was a challenge, but I think everybody finally got down here pretty much the last couple of weeks, and and that's kind of the way our area's gone anyway, so, and then other than that, wait till spring, get ready to go again. Yep. And tillage-wise, this year's quite a bit of tillage got done this fall because of the wet harvest, and cornfields are kind of mucked up a bit, and guys are chisel plowing and plowing more than normal, I think, just to, to kind of fix up some of the messes that were made. <laughs> Yeah. Otherwise, I don't have much else. Any other things you're wondering about? Well, you know, the other thing is parts. And I'm already hearing a, a few guys having a tough time. You know, it's it's cold now, and they're in the shop working on equipment. They're already having some struggles getting some things. Are, are you facing the right. same thing uh, in Canada that we are? Um, I don't know anybody complaining, but probably they are. Certain, certain, like, maybe specific parts or something that's really specific. But I haven't heard anybody really having too much trouble we had the unfortunate bad luck we put two motors in this fall on two pieces of equipment and uh they were relatively smooth getting parts for them like total rebuilds and um which was not 
not good financially, but anyway, they'll be good to go now for a while. <laughs> sure, <laughs> anyway, sure. But we got the parts with no problem. It just took took a bit of time to get it. Like John, there we mostly run John Deere stuff. And with the strike down there in right. Illinois or Iowa. Yeah, that, that came at the wrong time. Yeah, so I think those parts were backed up a bit. But we have um, our John Deere dealerships got nine or 11 stores, I'm not sure which. And they got a pretty broad spectrum of stuff between all the locations. So Sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's right. That's kind of what's happening down here, too, is a lot of them are, well, we don't have it, but uh, our sister store over here's got it. We'll, we'll get it shuffled around. Or, yeah, you know, exactly. in one case last spring, we just ran. I think it was 100 miles we had to run for, for one thing. And it's right. like, we need it now. We're just going to run there ourselves, and we'll grab it. Right. So John Deere has a main warehouse just outside of Niagara Falls, New York, like, but on our side of the border, it's in Grimsby. I don't know if you you might be wondering where that is. So that's oh, the main. I've, I've right been there. I've been I've been up around oh, Niagara Falls a couple times. Oh, okay, right on. So not far from there, and it, it usually it's, it's sitting there. And if it's not, then that's an overnight delivery. Like you know, if they don't have it, well then it's got to come out of Iowa or Illinois, and hopefully they have it. But I haven't heard anybody being stuck really, right? Well, we got some and time. Sure that's that's the good thing. We got some time between now and when we're going to use it. And our dealerships are pretty good. Like with say with eleven stores, they'll pull a part off of something else if it's really if it's going to be a long term downtime. So they're pretty good that way. So we can't complain. And our our we get well served here. The guys that we work with, yep, we can't complain about that. So anyhow, that's just no. I don't hear anybody really complaining other than new stuff. I think is the biggest issue. Sure, sure. Yep. Like a new piece of equipment right now. Oh, yeah. Don't don't tell me about that, Rob. Brett, my brother oh, decided okay. <laughs> this was the year we were gonna trade a couple things. I'm like, please, please, don't let anything go till we have that replacement. But we're still waiting patiently, Rob, so please, please don't jinx that at all. Yeah, okay, but, I know uh, I know a couple guys that traded no till drills and, and their old drills gone and the new drill is supposed to be here in March, now it's in uh, April. So. That sounds just like uh, some of the stuff we've had, too. Hey, Rob, great talking to you. Really appreciate it. Uh, Good luck here heading into the spring. What do you think of when you hear Palmer, Amaranth, or Water Hemp? If you use fierce herbicide in your soybean fields, you don't have to think about them at all. With two effective modes of action and up to eight weeks of residual control, Fierce takes on even the toughest weeds like water hemp and Palmer Amaranth. Take control of your soybean fields and get incentives from Bayer Plus Rewards when you choose the power of Fierce Herbicide. Talk to your local retailer today to put Fierce to work in your fields. Always read and follow label directions. You can count on AgroLiquid for precision crop nutrition. When you don't get all your potash down in the fall, When weather or market prices change your management strategy, or when you want to balance your fertilizer program with micronutrients, AgroLiquid is ready with the products and application flexibility you want for in-season crop nutrition and the research-proven results you need. AgroLiquid. Apply less. Expect more. Find a retailer at agroliquid.com. One of the most important things you can do for your farm is improving drainage. Hi, I'm Darren Hefty. On Monday, January 31st, we're hosting a free Ag PhD tiling clinic in the Morton Center on our farm near Baltic, South Dakota. Whether you've been tiling for years or you're looking to plan your first project, you won't want to miss this event. We have a whole host of information for you, including a legal session with the country's top drainage lawyers, as well as presentations on tile design, lift stations, NRCS guidelines, and ways to approach neighbors and landlords about tiling issues. For more details and to register, go to agphd.com. 
While you're there, check out the other Ag PhD events we have coming up in January and February, including agronomy workshops in corn, soybeans, and wheat, two days dedicated to soils, plus a whole day devoted to natural and biological products. There's a lot of great information here, and we can't wait to share it with you. To learn more about these events and register, go to agphd.com. When it comes to weed control, our cards have always been on the table because we believe you deserve near zero volatility, flexible tank mixing, and a wide application window. That's the Enlist Weed Control System, just better, with no ifs, ands, or buts. Discover better weed control. Enlist.com. Enlist.com. It's smart to make the right agronomic choices, and it's even smarter to get rewarded for them. With the Bayer Plus Rewards Program, you earn cash back on seed, herbicides, and other eligible products. And it keeps getting smarter, because now... You can earn an additional 10% bonus when you send your redemption check to your retailer. To learn more, contact your retailer today. Protect your yields and get the most from your land with Bayer Plus Rewards. Visit MyBayerPlus.com and see program terms and conditions for full details. You're listening to Ag PhD Radio on a Farmer Friday. Broadcasting from the Morton studio today, taking your calls and questions at 844-44-AG-PHD. And the cool thing about email is you can send it anytime at all. We got this email from Ryan last night, uh, and he was hoping we'd look at some soil tests. So, Brian, if you want to pull that one up, uh, Ryan says, uh, I'm attaching some soil tests here. Uh, I know you get a lot of these, but hopefully you can read these and help me grow some better alfalfa. Also, wondering how would you feel about using horse manure as part of my fertility program on this ground. And Ryan's in Illinois. Okay. I don't know if I mentioned oh. that. Oh, no. Um, so I see the, in right. the organic so, matter percentage, we got a lot of 5 and 6% organic matter, even some as high as 8.8. Yes, and when I take a look at the soil pH, I mean, most of it is pretty good. Most of it's in the 6s. Say that one more time, though. What crop? alfalfa that's what i thought you said the reason why i'm bringing this up is you have ph in the fives it will kill you on alfalfa you've got to get that ph close to seven if you want to maximize alfalfa production so the most important thing you can do here is get that level up now the next thing is when i look at the phosphorus levels it's single digit parts per million for the most part and the potassium levels, you got some under 100 parts per million and less than 2% base saturation K. So I know you're not going to like this for anybody listening, but when you put in a stand of alfalfa, our suggestion is for you to put probably, if you can afford it, three years worth of P and K out there and get it down into the ground. And I mean, when we're dealing with, in this case, medium to heavy soils, we for sure are not going to be losing that P and K. So we want to get it into the ground. That way we know it's going to be available for that crop. Because here's the problem. What a lot of people do is they put their alfalfa stand in and they go, oh, yeah, I guess I better get some phosphorus out there. And they broadcast the phosphorus and it does them almost no good because phosphorus is basically immobile in soil. And potassium is pretty immobile in soil unless you have lots of rain and light soil. So anyway, those are the two things that I would do. It's pH number one. 
it's put a whole bunch of P and K on number two, and if possible, I get that down into the ground. Now, I would say, I mean, there are, there are other levels here on the soil test that are concerning to me. For example, we know that boron is a super important nutrient for alfalfa, and our boron levels here are really low, like half a part per million. That's not going to cut it. So I would be trying to raise that. We've got pretty good calcium levels in this soil, so I'm not real worried about boron toxicity or anything like that. But, I mean, the zinc is really low. The copper is uh, copper is actually not terrible, but you get got a couple spots that are bad. And then sulfur is really low as well. So just it, it needs fertility. I, I don't know how else to say it. And it stinks because this is a terrible year to have to load up on fertility with fertilizer prices triple what they were a year ago, I, I, at least in the fall. Well, so, that's part of the thing, Brian, where where uh, Ryan mentions horse manure. He's got access to horse manure, and would that be a good source? You know, you may get a lot of nutrients out of that horse manure, and depending on where you're getting it from and, and if you have to pay for it or, or if you get it for free and that kind of thing, and if you have your own spreader, that might be a great way to try and load up on some fertility. I will say this. I know where we got some horse manure because we have uh, – where we had growing up, we had a person who was boarding and training horses that happened to be right across the road from one of our fields, and we took a bunch of horse manure. That was kind of something, Brian, where the weed of the week really got started because we had to identify some of those unusual weeds that came out of that horse manure. Well, here's the other thing. When you start talking about manure, it has lots of salt, and you have to be careful with salt because alfalfa does not tolerate salt very well. So it's great to say, oh, we're going to build up our soil with manure. But if you do that too much too quickly, then you're going to overload it with salt. So, I mean, if it's me, I'm going to use manure and I'm going to combine that with commercial fertilizer to get my ground built up. Yeah, and ideally, if you could get that manure out there well in advance, so you had some time for the salts to uh, dissipate, and hopefully you've got fairly decent drainage in the ground, which, honestly, looking at the soil samples, Brian, I I would guess we have some pretty decent drainage out there. It doesn't look like soluble salt levels are high. It doesn't look like boron levels are high, uh, sulfur levels, nitrate levels, any of those things. It looks like we got decent internal drainage. Well, it's either that or there hasn't been a lot of fertility applied. But yes, it does appear that drainage isn't bad. All right. Well, thanks for the questions, Ryan. I know uh, you don't always want to hear, hey, you're going to have to really step up your game on the fertilizer, but I, I would certainly agree with Brian. we got to get some lime out there in those areas that are down in the fives and try and bring things up a little bit closer to seven if we're going to have a very good alfalfa crop. That's probably where my first dollar is going to get spent. Uh, Brian, we got a few questions here that came in on crop residue and uh PW said, just a comment here. Uh, honestly, we just rip things up and get those soils opened up, and that that's our best means of dealing with residue. Uh, Anthony said, I've been using a biological product called Decomp. It works really good for me. We're using it on our corn stalks, and there's a visible difference between where we sprayed it and where we didn't. We're also trying to plant at an angle so we aren't running across a single row as well. I uh, appreciate that comment, Anthony. I know a lot of biologicals are getting used in this. And then uh, last question, and this is actually a question here from Tom. He said, I'm wondering about no-till and minimum till, especially with corn. How do, far, 
farmers handle the residue? Do they try to plant their crop in between the rows of last year's crop? It sure seems like the stock and root system would make it very difficult to plant through. Uh, we do a lot of the, the strip till. We've certainly done minimal till in the past, and we've done no-till. Planting in between the rows, you're right on the money, Tom. That That's a good way to avoid having to deal with all those things. And also, as you're trying to build up organic matter levels in your soil, leaving that root mass intact has been a kind of a nice thing there too. Uh, any other comments you'd have on the crop residue breakdown, Brian? No, I think you got it. It's just, if you're going to try to plant into last year's residue and like right into that row, it's very hard to do. Your crop typically is not going to do that well. So that's why a lot of people that used to do ridge till, for example, I mean, it was massive tillage in that row to tear everything up so then you get at least somewhat of a fresh start again okay uh, i got a question from a high schooler here in massachusetts ar who says i'm doing a science project where i'm trying to to lay out subsurface irrigation pipes and show how you can do that easier using pneumatics if possible I would love to use your information and advice from your videos and so forth. Your This topic has inspired me to do this science project. Uh, AR, you can absolutely use our videos and any of our information uh, to, to help you put together your project. That's, that's really cool. I think if you figure out how to lay pipes even easier and, and more accurately, that'd be, that'd be great too. Any other comments, Brian, about places AR could find some other good information online about drainage? Uh, well, there are a lot. I mean, I don't know for that specific question. No, uh, there, but I, I would just assume, take a look at university information. A lot of the tile manufacturing companies have stuff there. there there's plenty of data out there. Yeah, there sure is. That's, that's a cool project though. Thanks for the, for the question and comment there, AR. Uh, okay, got this one from AC. Uh, it says, hello from Croatia. I really appreciate your content and your show. I'm wondering, I, I need to get sulfur and calcium and nitrogen out of my farm. I don't have the possibility of getting ammonium sulfate. So I'm wondering, could I mix gypsum, which is calcium sulfate, along with my nitrogen source, which is NAC27, which is calcium ammonium nitrate that has 13.5% nitrate, 13.5% ammonium. Would it be possible I could put elemental sulfur with the calcium ammonium nitrate or I could put gypsum with the calcium ammonium nitrate? Okay, okay. hold up. All right, let's just stop right there. So when you start combining dry fertilizers together, you have to look at what the bulk density is. If you don't have similar bulk density, what's going to happen is you're going to shake and settle out the, the small particles from the big particles, and you got a real problem. So And heavier particles from the lighter particles. So, I, I mean, I would talk to whoever your fertilizer dealer is and look at, all right, what are the bulk densities and am I going to be able to do this? I am very, very, very skeptical that you are. I don't think you will, but 
you know, you, you, you can certainly take a look at it a little closer. Yeah, I agree. Don't be afraid to make two different applications here. If you want elemental sulfur or if you want to put gypsum out, either way is fine to get your sulfur needs met. Uh, the pHs are 7 plus. If you're trying to lower pH and you have good internal drainage, it's possible to do that with higher rates of elemental sulfur. But chances are, if you're just trying to feed the crop, you're using such a low rate of elemental sulfur, it's not going to move that pH very much. Really appreciate the, the question there, AC. And thanks to everyone for listening today. Be sure to join us again each weekday for more Ag PhD Radio.